Welcome to another episode of National Energy Talk. I'm Mark Stansbury. Today we have a guest from Kansas City, Stacy Huddleston. And Stacy, welcome to National Energy Talk. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Well, doing great. I, I, I know that the audience, the listeners, definitely like to hear about uh, the background of, of, the, uh, of the guest. And I always like to have the guest tell about it instead of me reading the bio because I usually leave something out that you might tell us about that, that you'd like to share. But we'll, <laughs> So we'd like to start off with your you know, the early days up to now and what you're doing now. We'll talk about in a few minutes, but really want to talk about uh, how you, you went through this journey of life. Yeah, I appreciate it, and, and thank you for the opportunity. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of what you do and really, really enjoy uh, working within the energy sector. I grew up in uh in moline illinois actually east moline and and home of john deere grew up on a small farm and um you know it 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 really i think instilled a lot of values in how i approach just friendships and and relationships and and business you know in, in general um but you know after high school i floundered for a couple of years trying to figure out what i want to do in life and join the army for a few years and um got to travel and and that was exciting uh but i went back to the state of illinois and uh went to school there at illinois state and uh eventually made my way to oklahoma and began in the lending industry uh you know in oklahoma and Started off in McAllister, spent a little bit of time there, and then Oklahoma City, uh, working for various lending institutions. And then I would say 2015, I, I made the decision to uh, relocate to Kansas City. And, you know, it's different, different people, um, great people, uh, but just not Oklahoma. And, and certainly, um, you know, I certainly miss that. Uh, you know, when we look at kind of the differences between the two, but, you know, I've really opened my eyes to the lending industry and, and just the, the financial services that are provided to companies throughout the United States uh, during my time here in Kansas City. Well, I was going to say, I met you uh, while you were here in Oklahoma, and uh, we were both working uh on a board. Yeah, the Century. It's kind of a young professionals board with the Oklahoma Hall of Fame Museum, which is a, a great, great museum. If you haven't been, uh, I strongly suggest. I know you're a big fan. I've been uh, part of the uh, the Oklahoma you know, Hall of Fame Museum for, for quite some time. I've really enjoyed that and to share uh, Oklahoma's, uh, share Oklahomans and their stories, uh, just like your story. You're talking about you know, your background in Illinois and, and your journey of life along the way. Uh, I saw at least from Oklahoma City forward, but have uh, talked since then about all your activities to get to that point, especially in the financial world, because uh, your your leadership in the financial world is very important to our region. And I'll explain that as we go, because uh, you, you touch so many different sectors. Um, not just focused in one sector. You, you definitely are look have looked at uh, energy, of course, but in other sectors as well. And uh, what's great about working with Stacy is his uh, he likes to connect people, and, and relationships are very important. And I find that uh, relationships are lead to success, 
for everyone that way and uh, and is always willing to lend an ear and uh, and to help people along the way. Stacy, if you will, tell about your company you're working with now and the projects uh, you'd like to look for. Yeah, absolutely. I I actually work, even though I'm here in Kansas City, I work for a uh, Florida-based bank called Seacoast Bank. And I work in a, in a very specific division called Seacoast Business Funding that provides what I would consider a very specialized credit facility. Uh, some call it asset-based lending to business owners that have account receivables and inventory as their primary pieces of collateral. You know, they may they may have account receivables and no inventory, and, and that's actually great. Um, but we also look at companies that have both account receivables and inventory as their borrowing base. And, and you know, I, I came across Seacoast in, in, a, in a way that, you know, kind of aligns with my belief. And, and I love to win. Like, I'm extremely competitive. Um, but... You know, when when you're with a company, and and I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners out there that that can relate. When you're with a company and it just doesn't fit, and you're just you know there's something out there that really aligns with not just your personality, but your belief system, and and supports the talents in which you know you believe you you have uh, in place to maximize yourself and those around you. Um, you know it. it it makes one wonder, you know, what's out there and 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 what company that that somebody can work for that would align with all of those values. And Seacoast Bank, uh, Seacoast Business Funding, the division of Seacoast Bank, is uh, it really does hit on all of these important buttons of mine that I feel are are incredibly important. Um, you know, the the company is publicly traded. There are eleven about 10 to $11 billion in assets. And, uh, and they continue to make acquisitions primarily in Florida. But for myself, I actually uh, cover the national footprint um, and look for companies throughout the United States that, you know, they may be young or they may be in high growth mode, or they may be in a situation where, you know, they're, they've, been around for a while and stubbed their toe, but they're looking for some other option outside of whatever their traditional bank provides. And I think we'll touch on that here in, in a little bit. But you know, we focus primarily on the company's collateral and, and their credit quality of that collateral, primarily being account receivables, inventory being secondary. Instead of what we would consider a traditional bank looking at um, a company's cash flow and their performance uh, related to the you know, financial performance. Are you seeing a challenge because of the environmental social governance, ESG? Is that curtailing some of the companies, especially in the energy sector, and moving forward? And if so, what opportunities do you share that you could help provide for these companies? Yeah, it, it's interesting with, you know, the environmental social governance being one aspect of a culmination of just several aspects of what is actually driving business owners to make the decisions that they're making and how it's affecting their business. I think that that's just one slice of the pie. 
remember back in the day, we only had a couple of slices of pie, right? We only had to worry about cash flow on people. And now we've got ESG, we've got regulatory environments, we've got geopolitical issues, uncertainty on, on a local state, uh, national, and now, you know, multinational level that is affecting how business owners are making decisions today. And so ESG is, is definitely a piece of this, but I think that there's so many pressures coming from every direction right now that is creating a, a large portion of uncertainty that um, is causing business owners to really rethink how they apply their principles and, and putting new processes in place. No, you're right. It's, it's so challenging because uh, once you light up your funding for one project, and you're moving forward, especially in the energy sector, all of a sudden that's cut back, curtailed, or you can't get funding for the next project because of certain requirements, whether it's uh, regulatory or ESG or whatever it might be. So it's nice to know there's a company, know that Stacy's out there, to be able to discuss uh, some situations and to work through those and give them options uh, of providing an avenue for their success. And so. I, I know if you will elaborate on that a little bit more, because uh, I know there's there's companies out there in the energy sector that definitely are, you know, at their, at, uh, you know, they don't know where to go next. You know, the traditional banking may not be in place uh, right now, but, but but how do they, what advice do you have for them? Well, do you remember the good old days when you can walk into the bank and, and talk with the bank president, shake their hand and kind of lay out on a napkin what the assets were of that company and, and know that the bank was comfortable providing a loan based on that collateral, right? It was a handshake. Those days are gone. And I would say since 2008, you know, the regulatory environment that, that is imposed on a general level, right, is on, on, financial institutions and also on businesses has created a situation in which those handshake opportunities are far few in between and has kind of created a situation in which um, companies must now prove cash flow ahead of collateral. Collateral is still important, but on a traditional banking sense, when you walk into a bank and you say, hey, I, I've got this business that's been around for a while. Here's my collateral. The first thing that that we're going to ask for, uh, and every bank's going to ask for, are, are the financials. We want to see the cash flow, and we want to see the performance, and in many cases, the uh, projections that that they feel that they're going to have in the next year, even two years. And and what you see from this is that the that the traditional lenders that are out there are really looking at uh, financial performance measures like debt coverage ratio and fixed charge ratios uh, to ensure that that the company has got sufficient cash flow and historical cash flow, uh, and and once they meet that hurdle, then the discussion with collateral can occur. And with with our division of within our bank, Seacoast Business Funding. We actually, while we do ask for those items, when we do begin underwriting, we're actually looking more at the credit quality of the, you know, our, our, our 
client's um, book of business. We want to know who they're actually selling a product or service to, how long it's taking for them to collect, and you know, are, are they working primarily with only a couple of customers where the sales concentration is really high, or are they working with thousands of customers where the, the concentration is very, very thin? And so we look at the collateral base first and understand what their, their account receivable situation is. We want to understand what the process is from purchase order to completion of project, invoicing, and then collection of, of payment. And once we understand that, um, then, of course, we, we really dive into uh, the financials but primarily so that we can footnote and explain why the company is in the position they're in. And, and quite honestly, Mark, the last, I'd say three years, a large majority of the customers that I've been able to, to pull through the process and book have been early stage companies that are too early for the banks and have been set up with massive growth ahead of them um, throughout several different industries. Um, but here recently, I would say, and, and I think a lot of that is due to the mature companies having access to government money in the last few years. So really didn't need to change banks or change lenders. But just in the last three weeks, I'm seeing an uptick on mature company applications coming in. Well, you know, uh, in, in banking in the past, like you've mentioned, um, the traditional side of it was, yeah, a handshake and uh, and a nod. <laughs> yes, come on in. We've got the funds ready for you. But the energy s- sectors have changed so much and that, you know, and especially because of technology and uh, research innovation, that if you have a, a, a new company and the funding may be in place, but the problem is you have the investors in place, but then you also need uh, capital expenditures and you, and you didn't really budget enough, uh, where do you go? And it's, it's really difficult because if you have this <clears throat> avenue of funding uh, in a place to at least uh, to look at accounts receivable and extend those out so that it would fit, uh, a company could be very successful. A lot of companies don't have that opportunity, so they either fold or give up on their ideas. You're saying here's here's our company, we can work through these issues, these problems, and get to a solution, and work a, a individual, I you know individually, not just in uh, uh, group. You know, the, here's our standard. This way we do it, and it's got to be this way every time. It sounds like you you have some room there to to work through some different scenarios. We really do, and and you know, in a, what I would consider in the commercial lending industry, you know, we kind of give myself a you know a an unofficial title that I'm kind of a generalist and that I can I and, and historically I've been working within the oil and gas industry but also transportation industry construction as well as uh supply distribution manufacturing so I cover a lot and I have to put on a lot of hats and and take them off and put on a different one just about every hour and but those conversations really come down to a, a strategy and trying to understand the company and, and their cash flow situation 
and ultimately you know the, the the conversation always comes back to who they sell a product or service to you know are they recognizable logos do we know who they're talking with and and do we feel that they are credit worthy because if if they're not credit worthy then can pretty much discount the entire line item for account receivables for that one customer. And so, you know, going back to your example with an early stage company, what I often find is, is that their strategy is just to raise capital. And, uh, and oftentimes what we find is that they're hyper-focused on giving up equity and finding investors that you know believe in the product or service that they're providing and wants to inject capital into the company. And that's what I would consider the second most expensive uh, option that's out there. Um, the cheapest option is getting a bank line of credit ahead of any type of um, private equity or venture capital raise you know and and i'm primarily talking about companies that are not pre-revenue but they they're they're actually generating some sort of revenue whether it be super early stage or or later stage and so ideally what you want to have is a nice mix and a strategy to utilize that mix so that you're utilizing debt which is going to be cheaper than giving up equity but the most expensive you know, form a capital is the capital a company cannot access, no matter what the interest rate is. You know, if their if their financials aren't in line, if they aren't paying attention to their back office and they don't have a good controller or a good CFO, if they don't have a good invoicing process in place, and they and and they don't have a um, you know, an an inventory tracking system you know, in place. Like these are things that the lenders are looking for. And if, and if they don't have some of these very important um, forms of accountability within the company in place, then it's going to be very difficult for them to access capital. And that is the most expensive capital is the one they can't access. What is a way or which is the best way to get in touch with Stacy Huddleston? You know, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Stacy Huddleston. Um, shoot me a message or, or connect. The other way is uh, send me an email. It's Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y dot Huddleston, H-U-D-D-L-E-S-T-O-N at Seacoast, S-E-A-C-O-A-S-T, B is in business, F is in funding dot com. Uh, or, you know, give me a call and, you know, through you and, and, you know, you can connect us. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've got a situation in which companies have closed out their books for 2021. They're in a position right now where they have or are meeting with their accountants uh, to determine what their tax liability is. And I would simply say that the greatest thing that any business owner can do right now is to ensure that the that the account has a copy of that business owner's loan documents and understands how the the financial performance covenants affect um, that company's ability to borrow money 
and 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 that accountant should be able to provide you know whether it be weekly or or monthly reports back to the business owner to show whether they're within the covenant or outside of the covenant uh, restriction of that loan because the last thing a business owner wants right now is to violate a, a loan covenant and and trigger a technical default situation and make no mistake about it you can you can look up all of the news articles that's happening right now but all of the major banks uh, the top five banks I know are now putting back billions of dollars in loan loss reserves in preparation for Q3 and Q4. Well, and that's a challenge. Um, you know, the advice, if you were going to provide advice and things are changing day by day, minute by minute uh, in this environment we're under, is it's, it's hard to plan, but you have to plan, have to look at it from a standpoint of what can I afford? Uh, look at the cash flow and look at the opportunities, and that's where uh, Stacy can can definitely provide a, an avenue of support. With that said, uh, talking about advice, Stacy, uh, where does where do leaders go from here? I mean, uh, if you were taking over a company or starting a company or had a a successful company, uh, how could you help them? You know, again, in summarizing. Our, our visit today, and I hope to have you back in the near future as well, but summarizing what we talked about today, if you could provide uh, different avenues that you could help uh, those that are listening. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. You know, first off, if there's a cash flow question or working capital question or, or just, you know, you want to pick my brain about something, shoot me an email and, and I'll be happy to answer it. Pick up the phone, give me a call. I'll be able to 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 help. And and for any company out there that is talking to a bank or has a banking relationship that might be a little rocky, you know, we have working capital options specifically for those type of accounts for where where the the company either doesn't like the you know tight restrictions that's being placed on them with regards to their existing. Uh, traditional bank line, or they're in high growth mode, and maybe they don't qualify for a traditional bank line. That's where we really come in to play and and help our clients access that pent up working capital. Secondly, I would say that you have to plan, 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 and then be willing to make changes along the way because plans are going to change. For instance. You know, we always find out that the Fed is or is about to raise interest rates, right? And and we have been working in a in a low cost, low loan cost environment for several years, where the prime rate has been three and a quarter. And we've heard just recently, oh my God, the, the Fed just raised the interest rate a quarter point, and uh, and that's you know that that's a little off-putting, right? And, and to to curb the inflation that that is coming or is here. Um and we know on May 4th-ish that we expect the the Fed to raise interest rates or raise the the Fed uh bench rate by another half a point. The Fed rate up until this first change has always been at about a quarter point. Right. So we can all do the math here. And that is 
based off of the Fed's website, I was looking um, just today at uh, what the projections are and anticipating what the Fed is going to raise the interest rates to. And by the end of the year, they anticipate to raise the interest rate uh, from 0.25 as the federal rate to 1.9%. But what is that? That's one point, was it 1.65% of a difference? So we can plan as much as we can. But ultimately, what we know is that by the end of the year, our interest rates are going to be 1.65% more expensive than they were a year ago. So if a a company has a million-dollar line of credit, and the line of credit is based off of prime plus a margin, then with certainty, their rate will increase 1.65% by the end of this year. Right. And and while business owners can plan for the low cost environment, what I'm not seeing right now are business owners planning for a technical default environment in which, you know, up until recently, the, the loan costs have been cheap and their net income has been able to cover it. But just by increasing rates 1.65% over the course of a year. And not changing anything else may actually put some companies into a technical default situation in which they don't cover their debt coverage ratio. And that, I think, is the silent killer in all of this. This is a situation in which um, I think a lot of business owners are focused on trying to negotiate the cheapest interest rate possible, but not realizing that as the interest rates increase, you know, the you know, inflation is there. So their their cost are, cost of goods are going to continue to go up. Things are going to negatively impact companies to where we can see um there just around the corner, there's going to be some very tough discussions between bankers and borrowers. And that's where I come in is again, they're focused on cash flow lending and ensuring that the company is meeting these debt covenants, not so focused on the collateral piece, while we're more focused on the collateral piece and can explain cash flow. And and so business is beginning to tick up for me just in the last few weeks, just because of this. You've been listening to Stacy Huddleston. Stacy, thank you for being on National Energy Talk. Again, we hope to have you back in the near future. Appreciate all you're doing uh, for others. Uh, throughout the country. Uh, again, Stacy Huddleston, you've been listening to National Energy Talk. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of National Energy Talk.